The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it, weekend editions here at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach. Elijah Herbal is in. Hope you're doing all right. It's Nebraska-Wisconsin. We'll talk about it, see how things shake out for 2.30 with the Big Red and uh, the image of Big Red that Barry Alvarez has created and passed down and kept passing down. And uh, you know what? Two teams that started similar and one team that got fixed and another team that Hopes to be fixed. Numbers to get in. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Find us on Twitter. Can always follow Hale Varsity at Hale Varsity, at ESPN Lincoln, at Schmidt underscore radio, and at Herbal Essence for Elijah. Cranach, you're still doing the, uh, the old Twitter fast right now? I sure am, buddy. Uh, it's it's uh it's good. It's not a bad thing to do from time to time. No worries at all. Cranach, how you feeling? What's up? I I stepped outside, man, and it's pleasant out. And you know, weather wise, I mean, brother, I've I've got a date to pick up uh, a couple slabs of baby back ribs and about six uh, reams of kebabs and a little football party going on. I I'm excited. It could be a patio for uh, patio football day for us. Well, that's pretty solid. I'm going to I'm going to do some pulled pork today. Okay, we're 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 a little bit uh, locked in. The mm-hmm. the girl the girl got got COVID. She's fine, mm. but that limits your right. You know your social options, mm-hmm. which is fine. If you're gonna if you're gonna have to be stuck inside, at least it's a college football Saturday and a day that Bud Crawford fights. Yeah, Bud's so, money. You know. That's awesome. Yeah. He'll uh, he'll do his thing tonight. That's great. Husker basketball uh, looking more like Fred Hoiberg wants them to look with sharing the basketball. You beat uh, the mighty Bengals of, of of Idaho State, and I'm not being uh, snarky. I mean, good. You, you you looked like a decent basketball team last night. Sixty eight, uh, seventy eight, sixty rather with. A season-high 18 assists. Nebraska women went out the right way. Senior night against Penn State. So maybe it's going to be a good weekend, Cranach. And, and Nebraska football still has something to say about their season. While it won't include postseason, still a lot of questions in the air with uh, what direction they take moving forward offensively against a really great defense. You've got a couple more games perhaps of – Adrian Martinez, and this game has always meant something. It's just not ever gone Nebraska's way, 
and it it's been the the ultimate humbling experience. It's one thing like if Ohio State kills you, and and, and they've done that more times than not. But with with Wisconsin, when they hammer you, I mean it it hurts a little more if you're a Nebraska fan just because of how they do it yeah, and who they the do style it with. Part of it, of course, right. And it's just like taking the Nebraska blueprint and the kind of football that we all like. I don't want to say we all. There's probably some people that just want to air it out. Mm-hmm. But it's the style that we all grew know, up like, on. Yes, that's that's how you play football. Yes, that's what you're supposed to do. It's funny, though. Nebraska has kept it pretty close in recent years, even on even with Riley's terrible teams like mm-hmm. the 2017 team. It was pretty damn close up until the end, um, up until the fourth quarter. So like it, I don't, I don't. You, you never look at them and think, oh my god, it's a matchup nightmare. There's no way Nebraska can do anything. But there's always something um, that pops up where, where Wisconsin makes the play. Similar to it's very similar to the Iowa series. Mm-hmm. Very similar. Where it looks like Nebraska comes ready to play mentally, um, but for whatever reason for many reasons, cultural reasons, others, they can't, they can't break through. And then today, is that going to happen when you have like, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out like the actual mechanics of, of running an offense today. When four of the voices <laughs> you're used to hearing in headsets on the sidelines, like the whole operation of it, game planning, the communication within a game. Uh, I'm really curious to see how that's all going to work today right like you would you would imagine that most of it is on frost yes right trying to tell everybody hey here's how we're going to do it it's just logistically it's it's a it's going to be a challenge for them today and oh by the way you're doing that against the number one defense in the country Mm. after facing the number one offense in the country (laughs) before the bye, you know so i don't know it's uh the what the team can do though is I firmly believe if wins happen, mm-hmm. Wisconsin and Iowa, I, the, the tenor of this place would be off the charts positive going into the winter. It'd be a lot. Like off the charts positive. No, and and you know how you felt in, in 18 as a Nebraska fan where you started that 0-6, but you won four of your last two, right? You, you felt really positive, even though year one was, was tough with the struggle and the start. And you had a great hope going into 19, and, and then it derailed against Colorado. But you could have all the uncertainty and question marks with, you know, who's going to be the new four on offense. You got a fifth year. You've restructured. You've got a more, man, air quote, more manageable schedule <laughs> for 2022. Yeah. I mean, all of those things, that's kind of where I'm at. I really want to watch today and see how Nebraska grinds through this. They've been very yeoman-like with their grind this year. They've not blinked. They've not won, but they've been in position to do so. So the finish line is almost here. You're in Madtown today. You got Black Friday looming. And if, if they can go out and even a split, I think you'll feel 
all right, even though it's still that four and eight or five and seven staring at you. If three and nine happens, I mean, just crickets, right? You're going to, even if it's more of the same where it's a three point or a seven point loss. But yeah, you can, you can flip this thing and you know how Nebraska fans are and God love you. Even at five and seven, if you're able to find a way in these circumstances, which you've kind of created because you're the one who made the change on offense, it'd be, um, it'd be a bit of a shot in the arm with, uh, with this football program uh, at least having some good momentum moving forward. Uh, you don't know how the recruiting's going to shake out. You don't know what the portal's going to be. You don't know which quarterback situation's going to be so ne- next yeah. spring. You don't know what's going on at running back. You think uh, on paper you're supposed to have some offensive line. That's that's where I'm at. I want to see this offensive line just continue to fight because I I think they've listen. They've got talent on that O line. Nebraska does. Wisconsin has talent on their offensive line, and they were screwing up their first three four games. And Paul Christ did a couple of things. He fixed the offensive line. And he said, Mertz, you're not gonna you're not gonna lose us the game anymore. So if that means you throw eight times, <laughs> then then you're gonna do it. You're gonna go four for eight. But it's gonna be okay against Purdue because our defense will get five turnovers and and uh we'll blow them out by seventeen. That's what this next step is for Nebraska to, to get their bleep in a group. And Wisconsin had to weather that early. I mean, all the stuff Nebraska has gone through with, is Scott back? Is he going somewhere? Should there be a change? I mean, you've got a, you had a divided fan base if you make a change. And you've still got some vocal minority out there that are ticked that, that Scott's back. Well, the, what's been done is done. And let's see if things get fixed, right, as you go into year five. Meanwhile, Paul Christ doesn't get respect. He's boring. He's good at what he does, and he's pretty just kind of quiet, and he knows football. And And he went back to work. They got it fixed after getting hammered consecutively. I mean, you open the, the season at home and you lose to Penn State. That's looking worse the way Penn State is. Notre Dame pretty much outscores what your offensive output was through non-offensive touchdowns on top of what the Irish offense did in Chicago anyway. Then here comes Harbaugh with a little payback for you. And then you're reeling. You're reeling with a quarterback you picked. Uh, oh, and by the way, the quarterback you let go is winning and going to win 11 ball games for Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. And then your offensive line's a nightmare and there's no running game and poof, voila. You settle down, you fix the O-line, you have your quarterback manage. You still got a killer defense, and you find a six-two, two hundred and forty beast at running back that's seventeen. Can't even buy you smokes yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> look, man, I, the and and out of all of those things that you mentioned, it's the, like you can you can conceal maybe a limited quarterback, right? You can do that. You you can say okay. This guy is is bad at decision making. He throws too many picks. He was harassed. He was pressured. He was hurried. He was sacked. Yeah. <laughs> That's why he's sucking. 
that you, but right, you can adjust. You can adjust your off. You can kind of you can shield the fact that you maybe have limited receivers. You can shield the fact that you maybe have limited running backs. What you cannot shield is poor offensive line play. You just can't. You can't compensate for. I mean, you can try, mm-hmm. but you, it's pretty difficult. It's pretty difficult to compensate for bad offensive line play, and that's where Nebraska's at. That's where Nebraska's at. Like, I, I don't of, of all the things that we have all talked about, all the things that ail Nebraska, all the things that need to get fixed in order for Nebraska and Scott Frost to take the next step. That is the one thing. That, just that, the the offensive line play is so subpar. It is so substandard. I don't think people understand. Maybe they do. Adrian Martinez is like the most pressured quarterback in America. At least in the Power Five, definitely in the Big Ten. Like, and that's not to defend Adrian. I'm not saying he's the. He's not been perfect. His He's not been perfect. His decision making's been off. One hundred and sixteen hurries. Chris. <laughs> Chris, he's under siege. More than any quarterback. Thirteen times a game. Like, in the Power Five. It's it's bad. It's really, really bad. It's very bad. Like, and, and I refuse to believe that that is because Corcoran and Benhart are the absolute worst tackle tandem talent-wise in the nation. I don't think that's true. No, there's Do a lot of people who want it. No, there's a ton of people who wanted him. You had to, I mean, Turner's a good ball player. Turner's a really good ball player who rushed back because you had to have him at tackle. And we're having a different con- – can I be frank? We're having a different conversation. We want to talk about Paul Christ fixing his offensive line. Guess what? Nebraska thought they did after Michigan State, where they went mm-hmm. to Big Teddy and left. You moved Turner to right, and then all of a sudden – I mean, Northwestern's not good, but you saw – how more competent the O-line looked, and you could run whatever the hell you want. You could run it. You could drop back and have a long-developing pass pattern work because you had time to take a shot downfield versus you get the shotgun snap and it's time to run for your life like you're in a horror movie. You you had it fixed, and then Teddy's injury hit against Michigan. Then that was a bit of a chain reaction, and you're back to square one. Uh, where you're getting sacked by Oklahoma and you're getting sacked by uh, Michigan State, okay? So, listen, Ben Hart is also a good ball player. The, the reality is this. They've got young guys that have that have started the season before. Turner has not, but, Tor- but, uh, but Ben Hart has, okay? They've got young guys that have started before. And you had new spots on the interior at guard, and and that's been problematic. But you made changes with Nuri. Cam Jurgens been the only staple, and he can't block for everybody. So no. that's that's which that's where you're at. I think given more time, more time to develop, you're not having to play these kids that early, and and they're better. And that's 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 the heart of this too. Moving that's forward. Part of it too. Right, maybe they're playing before right. they're 
actually well, ready to do so, so well, it's hard to evaluate them. But, but a lot of programs have to do that, though. No, I know, and, and you've seen it with Clemson this year. I mean, why do they suck yeah. in, in as far as Clemson terms? Because they got freshmen and redshirt freshmen. Even some guys that have started, they're not the same dudes last year because it, it's not the same four or five out there together. I mean, it, it, it's just maddening for Nebraska to – you want these young recruits, you want this talent to be out there, you want it to go thrive, but you want it seasoned uh, or at least developed. You want it dry-aged is the best way to put it, right? You and I yeah. like dry-aged steaks. Elijah, jump in here as well. But Nebraska really needs, as we move forward, if we're going to talk about 2022 and what these last two games could mean for it, Nebraska's got to commit to development. Okay, and Nebraska's got to commit to development Monday through Thursday beyond the first team or even beyond the second team because I think that's where you're seeing uh, real issues, whether it's a four-star kid that's a top 75 recruit like Turner. Injury, of course, delayed some of that development with COVID. But Nebraska needs to, to listen to the, uh, the gray beards on what the hell they're doing at practice. Because it, it, it ain't any better and it ain't working with the, the guys behind your, your super recruits. My question is, is what is the issue? Is this a development issue? Is this a, a weight room issue? Because whenever you have these guys that are some of the most sought after recruits in the country, I know it's the Big Ten's full of killers along the defensive line. However, it is shocking how they struggle to both run block and pass block in every single game this how year. How did you get better? Mm-hmm. Elijah, how did you get better at Southeast on on three playoff teams? You weren't thrown in there as a freshman or a sophomore, right? You you saw some time as a junior, and you started as a senior, you started also as a junior. But guess what? You drilled, didn't you? Mm -hmm. You drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled. And And I I got my ass kicked by some really good linemen, too, in practice. Yeah, you did, right? (laughs) And Kradak, I don't know how much of that was going on or is going on. I mean, what what is being permitted in, in teamwork or individual group work on the offensive line? How much live stuff is going on where, all right, guys, what are we seeing with the offensive line? Well, they stop their feet, they lean, they reach, they punch out, and, and it's, it's technique, but it's also drill work. I don't think the kids on the outside, the two bookend tackles, have been given a fair fight with their development up until this point. They got to go perform, yeah. But I think, and it comes down to how and what you're running in practice. And that's something that Trev Alberts has been watching. I hope that's part of the tweak. I hope that's part of the CEO process for 2022 is well, let's reassess what's going on with the development because that's how you're going to get to postseason. Mark, Mark, I just want to jump in real quick here because I, I just want to ask what is going on along the, the offensive line in practice? Because you, you heard all out of fall camp, oh, we think the offensive line is going to be one of the leading units on this team. They're going to be solid. We're going to follow. Like Our offense is going to go behind our offensive mm-hmm. line. But I don't, like, based on how Nebraska's defensive line has played this year, how did we think – through fall camp that our offensive line was going to be a strong suit. The, the defensive line does a great job filling gaps, a great job stopping the run, and we were seeing in fall camp, yeah, this offensive line's doing well. That Were they able to run the ball against our defense? Like, what is going on in practice to the point where, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a solid defensive line. Do you think they're okay against that number one group, or are they only good against Nebraska's D-line? I, I want to know what's going on at practice. I think 
So it seems to me the way Nebraska has been able to move the ball are a couple different ways. And so it's either Adrian making a kind of a superior athletic play. He's just he's just able to do that or Nebraska schemes it really well. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to actual, hey, we need two yards right here. They know it's coming. We know it's coming. Mono y mano. Nebraska doesn't do really well there. Right. It just doesn't. When it comes to just dropping back, protecting the quarterback and just sort of a manageable middle of the game, middle of the field kind of play, Nebraska can't protect. Like you, you have to scheme everything. You have to trick. You have to <laughs> you have to outfox. And I know there's all there's always that element in football, but there is not that physical dominant element at all. In fact, there's the element of getting physically overwhelmed because think about this, too. Not only does Martinez in the in the Nebraska offense uh, struggle to protect Martinez, they struggle to do, to to do it when the other team is only sending four or five mm-hmm. guys. You're not seeing full house blitzes come at Martinez, right? You're seeing four four guys come, maybe five, and regularly you're seeing the defense drop seven into coverage, but those four are still able to get pressure. And then Martinez is looking downfield for, you know, three receivers covered by seven dudes. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just like, that is difficult. And if this <laughs> sounds like a Martinez possible. apologist uh, segment, that's not what the intention is. It's, But he is facing immense pressure, looking downfield at essentially double coverage everywhere. <laughs> right? And you're just like, if you could fix one thing. About Nebraska, it's that the offensive line play has to improve significantly. And you do that and you unlock everything else. Then we're not worried about Martinez throwing into double coverage because he might, oh, I don't know, get single coverage. (laughs) You know, you might be able to run the ball to where he's not even they're not even calling passing plays because the running game's working so well. It it would just unlock so much. And it the. It has been really bad. It has been really, really, really. Just watch today and count. When when Martinez is back to throw, how many times is he under pressure? It's about like one out of two or one out of three times. And against the number one defense in America, that could be two out of three times, three out of four times today. And and you have no help in a running game. You have no consistent help in a run game because you are the run game at, at quarterback. At least you, you have been. So – we, we've established the fact that Adrian is, is not as bad as as his numbers say. And when we talk about actions and reactions, does he need to make some throws? Has he missed some crossing routes? Has he missed some wide open dudes? Did he miss a throw at the end of half and not get help by a receiver selling out against Purdue? Right? Yes, to all of the above. But from a mental standpoint, Cranack, if you're trying to drop back and you're worried about how much time you're going to have or you're going to you're going to get hit, you're going to you're going to screw the throw up. You're not going to be able to execute as cleanly. You're going to act differently, right? Yeah, you're going to. It's it's not it's not a perfect environment to go execute the play. Never is usually. I mean, you're going to have to adjust and adapt to it but there's a little there's a lot of the reason and you've seen it all season long but there's been instances too where you hang in and you do make a 
a touchdown throw to, to Omar against Oklahoma. As much as they got after you, you do hang in and, and make a play to, to take the lead against Michigan State despite giving up seven sacks uh, in, in East Lansing. You're down 13, ripped to Michigan. You get some things figured out. You, you make a play, and then all of a sudden you take a lead on a gorgeous Saturday night against Michigan. And even against uh, Ohio State, your defense gets you a stop, gets you another turnover in the red zone, and you're driving to take the lead, and uh, you don't have a third and third and two complete. It was a third and four. You missed the third and four throw to Levi over the middle. So as many times as we talk about the offense and the pressures and the hits and the hurries and the sacks, there's been time where they've done their job. <laughs> we talk complimentary football. We need to talk complimentary offense because you're not, you know, the, the minutes and times you do have to throw and make the plays in critical and crucial drives, you're missing. It, it's it, right. And that is absolutely a factor. But are you even in those situations? Right, without him. I'm just saying, if you could fix one thing, are you fixing Martinez? No, it's the O line. Late game scenarios or are you fixing the offensive line you fix the o-line you may not have a late game scenario well prefer preferably <laughs> i'd fix both yeah, well, of course <laughs> it's it's the big yeah, 10 you need both it, it, totally and two th- two things can be true at once right mm-hmm. but if you, if you're martinez and you have been under siege and essentially swimming upstream all game like all game long it's like it's exhausting <laughs> mentally and physically right like all game long, you know with a busted that when you job. drop back, yeah, you know that when when it's a passing play that's called after your run game doesn't get you anywhere again, and you and you get a snap and it's third and long and you're like they're bringing four and we're gonna do max protect and we're only gonna send two into two or three into the pattern, and I know I'm still gonna get <laughs> all kinds of pressure, right? Like it's exhausting. So at the end of the game, I'm sure he's just oh, yeah. Like there's probably not a lot left in the tank. He's got to be better in late game situations. There's no question about that. But you fix the O line, you might not be in those situations. Well, we'll see how much of it's fixed with a new voice on the offensive line. That's the other thing. Is this team going to galvanize for the departed? Is this team going to galvanize for one another? Uh, you don't have a JoJo uh, physically out there. He'll have. Uh, his voice for sure there to support his teammates on the sideline today. But can they galvanize and uh, go play for one another again uh, and, and and be excited? If they get a good start, uh, they'll be trading punches, which will be nice. If it doesn't start so well, that could be a familiar Wisconsin-Nebraska scene in Madison. We'll get some thoughts on Nebraska and uh, the Wisconsin matchup rewind on the way with Coach Gary Barnett. Some thoughts around the coaching carousel as well from Barney as every job it feels like and seems like is open. And in Hour 2, Brandon Vogel will recap Husker Volleyball, some takes on Nebraska-Wisconsin today, and then the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us to round out a weekend edition of Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. with Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach.
Back into it at Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and uh, the Buffs take on Washington. We say hi to Hall of Fame coach Gary Barnett with Northwestern and Colorado, and, and sent for another weekend of, of college football. Coach, we're, we're almost to, to Black Friday. Still, some some more games to get through. How's your week been? What do you know? Oh, nothing. I'm just watching all this this coaching carousel unfold and it's just crazy i've never seen so many interesting things happen in one year than i've seen this year between the games the upsets the fact there's one really good team and just a bunch of other guys the coaching changes jimmy lake gets fired after 13 games i mean holy smokes there's tv money it's just made it a you know like a like a video game out there and uh it's it's nuts, but it's sort you know guys like us have something to talk about. That's for sure. Absolutely, and it doesn't ease things. I mean, the money makes you feel a little better. There's some security there, but guys are competitors, and they they don't like change if they're being asked. And just what's your you you hit on it? The um, the TV money is the difference maker here when it comes to to moving on from somebody. I want to kind of get your your take on. And there's no magic wand or one size fits all but from a from a patience versus a, a time to make a move coach this isn't the year to make a move with about 50 jobs it feels like that's open unless you can go get your guy unless you've already got him lined up mm-hmm. and you've got to know what's him but i mean you could be like texas i mean they got a great deal by firing tom herman getting sarkeesian don't you think i mean there's an example of going and getting your guy that may not even be your guy it's such a crapshoot mm-hmm. on uh everybody trying to catch lightning in a bottle and society and the way we do things now doesn't let you take the four or five years it takes to build a roster and, and now they think the portal gives you a chance to build your roster faster and, and i don't think it does chris i think it just is uh, another game you you play uh in trying to to write the process because it looks like to me, at least with the portal, the guys at the top, the the Alabamas, the Georgias, they, they prosper because they get the best players that are proven at other places that want to take a play at a higher level or the highest level. And I think the people at the bottom who have struggled with getting a roster, they get some help, especially in grad transfers. And then everybody else in the middle just sort of trades each other's problems and so i don't know that this portal is going to be the answer to it but it's it's the way people are going about it right now what's fascinating is to look at michigan state's flip around and i know mel wasn't in boulder as as long as he could have been but tucker he could have a heisman winner from the portal that's more the exception than the rule he's the one guy that may be given some false hope to other programs and staffs that want to hit it big and hit the lottery in the portal they've been great in two years but that might not be the norm well no you're right that's everybody's using him as the norm but as as the goal Mm -hmm. but it's you have no idea. I'll guarantee you Mel Tucker didn't have any idea that that guy was going to be that good. <laughs> you know, I, I'll guarantee you. You uh-huh. just don't know that. You hope, but you don't know it. It's fascinating to watch from afar. I know that. We'll get to some Nebraska stuff in a minute, but what's your mood around the Pac-12? I mean, CU's scuffling. Washington whacked their coach. Who knows what happens at UCLA where Chip is, right? And then, and then you got SC that's been open. I mean, you got a ton of athletes and, and then there's Oregon, right? I mean, it seems like every year, every other year, there's a lot of Pac-12 gigs open. Yeah, it does. But it's, it seems 
like it starts slow and then it builds and mm. all of a sudden there's a bunch. But this year it started early and it's going to be a bunch. Um, yeah, Oregon's probably the best team, but they've got to play Utah this week and Oregon State next week, and that and then get through get by Utah again. So. You know, I, I think the likelihood of them being in the playoffs is very slim. Okay. But Cristobal is is on everybody's list to hire, and and you just there's just a few guys out there that are proven entities for all these jobs. Matt Campbell, I think, is throwing his name back in some places, and he should pluck one. And then James Franklin's trying to get out of there. Uh, with Mel Tucker being locked up now, it, it uh, you never know if Mel's locked up, though, by the way. <laughs> well, so, 9.5 uh, should lock anybody up, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny money. And so I think LSU now probably looks at Franklin a little bit more because he was in the SEC. So I don't know where they're all going. Um and you know we've got we've we've got two openings during the middle of the season in the Pac-12 with with uh, Washington State and now Washington both being open and they're going to play each other next week without a head coach. I mean, how nuts is that? What's your thought on Aranda? Does he stay or does he look at an LSU or an SC? Because he's he's familiar with both. Well, I I think he's going to listen, and I you know there's one thing I learned about being at the other end of it. Yeah. You only get leverage so many times and you better take advantage of it. And but be careful what you wish for. And I mean it's a two two edged knife there, sword. But uh Aranda has put himself in a position to really be a prime candidate for all these jobs. And he's really good, Chris. I'm you know, I, I go back and remind you I was trying to do a book for a while, and I mm-hmm. went to about seven or eight half times uh, just to, I was going to do a book on halftime adjustments. And uh, Aranda was the most impressive, and he was a defensive coordinator at that time uh, at Wisconsin. He was the most impressive guy of all the guys I went through, and I won't tell you who all I went through. He was the most impressive guy that I saw in the locker room at halftime with his players. What what was so impressive about him? Tell me a little more. Well, just the maturity and the calmness and the fact he had, uh, he was listening to players, he made decisions, he just had more of an organized mind and an organization to his halftime uh, work than anybody else I saw. That's so key, isn't it? And you've, you've lived it. I mean, you've had to figure out what someone else is doing and, and counter or switch it up, right? I mean, that's not a, that's not an easy 20 minutes. No, and it's way overrated because, <laughs> uh, I mean, way overrated. Not, you know, because colleges don't have access to all the video and uh, the things that you do in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NFL players come right in, they sit down, they have their own area, they have all the video right there in front of them playing, showing them exactly what happened, what they need to do. You don't have any of that in college, none. So it's it's just whatever the GA writes on the board that he thinks he saw mm-hmm. upstairs in the booth. And then, uh, you know, you're talking to players, but you don't have much time. And then you got to you got to formulate a plan. So, uh, you know, it's several teams did a first-half plan and a second-half plan. They didn't have to make an adjustment mm-hmm. or, or try to make adjustments because it's really hard to do. Um, but there was a lot of different approaches to it. 
Gary Barnett, few minutes with us. Hale Varsity Radio talking coaching carousel. Nebraska needing to to make some hires here on offense, Coach Barnett. And, you know, when you were kind of vetting a guy or putting the staff together, and I know we touched on this a little bit last week, but who did you lean on? Who did you listen to? Or were you pretty good uh, out of the gate with that first experience, knowing where you wanted to go to put a uh, hire or staff together? Because that's what Scott Frost is facing, and I just wonder who he's listening to. There wasn't anybody I necessarily listened to. I listened to everybody, but Mm -hmm. the people that I relied on more were my own staff members who, who had worked with other people out there. Uh, But for me, it was always about the fit as well. I mean, there's a lot of guys who know football. Everybody knows a pretty high level of football. Uh, Some are better teachers than others, but the family fit was important to me too. And um, because you're in a trench and, a, and war for hopefully four or five years together. And, man, that, that better be a tight-knit group. Mm-hmm. So that was important to me. Uh, I, but like I said, I did rely on my assistant coaches. And then if there were – what happens is you get a million phone calls, an absolute million phone calls of people recommending you. And, you know, everybody's out right now trying to – trying to get this guy or that guy, uh, Tom Osborne to call Scott, trying to get, you know, whoever, Bill McCartney to call Scott, you know, somebody's got a, a name recognition or somebody he might respect. But, um, you know, most of that I understood the game, and I, I just sort of let it, you know, go off my back. I I, I wanted to know him, meet him, vet him, and I wanted I wanted him to be a good fit. So, how's that meeting go? Is it in the office? Do you go play golf? Do you go for a steak? I mean, how would you want to conduct that that interview? So it's not like an interview. So it's more like a what a what a work situation it'd be. Oh no, I, I want to see him in person. Yeah, I want to sit there in a work environment. Okay, see him, put him on the board, and uh, and I want to know about him. So, yeah, no, it was it was in a work area. Mm-hmm. So. Gary Barnett's with his coach. Uh, let's talk Nebraska, Wisconsin. I think the line's nine and a half. You know what? Uh, what concerns would you have if you're Nebraska? And the other side of it here is uh, Wisconsin's been wide hot, and uh, another Wisconsin defensive coordinator, Justin Leonard's, led the charge with it. How does Saturday look uh, at two thirty for the Big Red? You know, you look at the numbers on this, and. Um, their greatest tool is the fact that they play great defense. They only allow 216 yards a game, Chris, mm-hmm. 155 throwing pass defenses, but only 60 in the rush game. 60. That's amazing. So, uh, you know, Mertz, is, he'll throw, he's thrown more to the other guys than he has to his own guys in the end zone. He's got eight TDs and nine interceptions. So this is a team that's going to try to beat you on the ground and beat you with your defense. So, I mean, Nebraska, you look at Nebraska, you look at their numbers, you look at what they can do. If they just go play like they can play and not turn the ball over, they can win this game. because And they're due. You know, they're just due for one of those games. I'm not saying this is it, but I, I sure would, you know, Having changes coach, changing coaches that may or may not help, you never know. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But, um, you know, this is a game that if they're focused, 
they could win this game now. Their problem is they lost four in a row, and Wisconsin's won five in a row. And so that gets in your head. Uh, when you lose four in a row, you think you'll never win another game. And that's just human nature. And when you win five in a row, you don't think there's anybody that's going to beat you now. So, <laughs> you know, that mindset is what's going to play into this game more than anything else. Do you like what Adrian's done? And then last year, COVID got this ball game, so no one got to, to play. But Adrian's had good ball games. It's been more special teams and defense where it's been about a 17 to 20 point difference. But Nebraska's put up the yards coach against Wisconsin. No question. And he's had he's got 3,000 yards this year. I mean, he, he is a dynamic playmaking guy. He just also makes a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if he goes in and plays mistake-free um, and plays the way he has, then, then Nebraska has a good chance to to win this game, but, but also more, you know, to cover, too. Well, you know, good teams win, great teams cover, Coach. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, don't tell me about that. Gary Barnett's <laughs> with us. Hail Varsity Radio. We'll do some rapid fire and get you out. Uh, not a ton of interesting games this weekend, but a few. How about Arkansas-Bama? I think uh, Bama's favored by 21. Yeah, I like Arkansas on the cover, but I like Alabama to win this game. Arkansas is is solid, mm-hmm. and you know Bama has got some warts. And you know if they show up, then then I think Arkansas is is going to be right in there with them. But I I don't think they can beat them. But I think that they're going to stay with them. Iowa State shocked by Tech last weekend, despite the officiating. If you ask the uh, the Tech broadcast crew. Iowa State's got to go to OU, minus three and a half Sooners, and Oklahoma shocked, and just for kicks, uh, Aranda put another field goal up on Oklahoma before the buzzer. <laughs> well, you know, you read, first of all, you can't ask the broadcasters about the, uh, the this weekend because they're not working for No, exactly. Tech, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, uh, I, I thought Aranda had a, had a pretty good point in why he did it. And um, I think Lincoln was being a little childish. Mm-hmm. They broke the code. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> Iowa State OU, I think OU has got as many warts, more warts than uh, Alabama. And Iowa State, I don't know which team's going to show up at that game, but it's at OU. It's, it's hard not to pick OU in this game. And so... Um, I won't. I'm going to stay with Oklahoma. Okay. How bad does it get in Columbus, or does Michigan State surprise? It's minus 19 Buckeyes over Mel and his potential payday. I think it's about right. I think Ohio State is is playing big time right now. Mm-hmm. They're they're the team who's gotten better every week. Um, of all the teams that are out there, they're the one I think every week has gotten better and. Michigan State, uh, who knows? Uh, you know they, they're not a they're not a top to bottom great team, but they are a doggone good good offense. I know that, but I, I still think Ohio State wins this thing just about by the spread. Tell me about K State and Baylor before we say goodbye. K State minus one. I watched that Baylor game last week, and um, 
you know, K-State just bores you to death. They just don't beat themselves. <laughs> Baylor will beat themselves, but Baylor's good. That, and that defense is good, and that quarterback is good. I, I'm going to go with Baylor in this game. Coach Gary Barnett. Coach, we'll try and connect before uh, Black Friday. Thanks for the time today. All right, Chris. Great being with you. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Back with your weekend edition, Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal in this morning. Real Red Reaction starts about 4 today on ESPN. Lincoln stream at ESPNLincoln.com. Reacting to Nebraska-Wisconsin. We'll get there. We kick off this second hour with managing editor with HaleVarsity.com and magazine and author with John Cook, Dream Like a Champion, Brandon Vogel with us at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogue's going to go volleyball before we go Badgers and Huskers. And how about that finish? for Nebraska Volleyball to sweep Penn State, but specifically set two, uh, Slim and none, and Slim left town, right? You're down 22-15 to Penn State, and Nebraska musters a comeback. What'd you think? Yeah, you don't see that very often. Uh, you can be down 20 and uh, climbing out of that big of a hole is, is pretty rare um, to do it against, you know, kind of your classic Big Ten rival, that point where you have pretty good sense that Nebraska was was rolling. Uh, Coach Cook said, you know, post game. I think the first set was as good of as, as good as they have played this season. And then you add on that comeback and gives them a little bit of momentum rolling into you know a tough two game road swing to close things out. Brandon Vogel with us on Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, you know, to close things out, it was supposed to be Rutgers tonight. They had to cancel because of health reasons. So Nebraska gets a little bit of time off. But then they closed the season out. Uh, you got Purdue and you got Wisconsin. There is a log jam at the top of the Big Ten standings. It seems like Nebraska's got the toughest road to hoe, though. Do, do you think they do you think they pull it off? Right. And, and finish atop the Big Ten or, or is or is that closing slate a little bit too much? Uh, probably a little too much just based on, um, the, the recent history with Wisconsin. So you you win that one, you kind of, you're right there. Um, but you know, we'll see, we'll see how far Nebraska has come since the last time they played, but it's just been Wisconsin with this group that it's have, that it has had that are now, you know, upperclassmen and beyond a lot of them are super seniors, um, just kind of match up well with Nebraska over a lot of that period. So, yeah, I think the Badgers are still a pretty deserving favorite there. Uh, although they, they've, they've got a couple more matches to play. Vogues, if if you were to put money down, who do you think John Cook likes to beat most in the Big Ten? Is it his former squad? Is it Penn State? I mean, it's – it's it's a it's a brutal slate. I mean, it's it, but I mean, in, in Nebraska's part of that brutality because of how good they've been. The league's incredible, uh, and they they 
smack each other during the season. And you've got a Big Ten team in the Elite Eight or Final Four, it feels like, every year, and, and a champion sometimes. But uh, if Cook, if you got him uh, in, in a corner and, and you're just having a, an orange juice with him, who do you think he, he likes, who enjoys beating more? more? Is, it, is it a Wisconsin or a Penn State? I would guess it's still Penn State, though. <laughs> you know, right now, it may not feel that way. I mean, you just look at the Penn State program and, and Nebraska, and you've got two legends in, in college volleyball coaching. Um, so it's been, you know, a pretty familiar foe throughout that entire stretch. And, you know, when, when Nebraska came into the Big Ten, like, Coach Cook wasn't shy. Do we have you, bud? Let's try and for for Nebraska for a while, and I think for that reason, it, it becomes pretty tough to shake. So Wisconsin's doing its best, and you know, special mention too with uh, how things went down at the end of last season in the NCAA tournament. I think Texas still ranks pretty high, even though those two teams don't see each other on a yearly basis anymore. Brandon Vogel with us on Hail Varsity Radio. Um, you know what? I I think one of the biggest surprises of the year and just want to get your take on it, is Maddie Kubik's consistency. I mean, if you look at her improvement from last year to this year, and that she's been basically the the rock of this year's team, did you see that coming? Are you surprised at how she has just kind of completely retooled her game and become that steadying force for Nebraska? Where I, I don't think there was huge signs of that coming into the year. No, I don't think there were signs that would have led you to think that was kind of the, the most probable path. But the ceiling was obviously there for, for her to be that type of player. And really, we we got into Big Ten play before Nebraska kind of had that moment where, you know, I don't know what the conversation was, but effectively you, you had Alexi Saad and Maddie Kubik, and you're kind of two veteran players with Stiburn still out at that point, so she was close to coming back. And, you know, you kind of looked at him and said, one of you needs to, like, step in and, and be that kind of rock because we got all this young talent out here, but they're still a little bit adrift, just like you'd expect freshmen to be. And, and Maddie was really the one to, to kind of take hold of that and did it through, through much of Big Ten play and had a kind of a rough week last week, but that's okay. They, they came through it, and here she was again. And you're right. She, she has emerged as that type of player for Nebraska. Brandon, before we switch gears to football, Nebraska needs to do what? Nebraska needs to get better at what to be real contenders once the NCAA tournament uh, comes around? They need more more consistency offensively. And I think Coach Cook, you know, kind of reading between the lines of the comments, you know, I think they need a little bit better um, selection in terms of where they're going with the ball. So, so setting in particular – but it's been it's been tough because Nebraska's offense has been so up and down that you know it's it's easy to feel like you get into these tense points where maybe it's a long rally or maybe you're trying to make a comeback and it, it's hard to feel like you could run your full offense because for stretches of this season Nebraska hasn't been able to um, so I think if they're able to get that and just kind of have that that trust of we can go anywhere with this and I feel confident in wherever I go with the ball, uh, being able to get a kill, that might be kind of the extra gear I think Nebraska needs because defensively, particularly floor defense, like 
they're playing at, you know, a Final Four national championship type caliber there. That's never really been the question, but they just need a little more pop offensively. Brandon Vogel joins us here on Varsity.com and Magazine. Some volleyball thoughts. Huskers end with uh, the the duo, Purdue and, and Wisconsin, here in their quest for another Big Ten title. Uh, Big Red at 20-6 and six right now. Incredible effort last night uh, to come back and, and sweep Penn State. Vogues, uh, let's stick with the offensive theme, and let's talk plan of attack for, for Adrian in Nebraska against uh, the Badgers and Coach Leonard. How does Nebraska try and go to work today? Uh, good question. Many teams have tried this season, and not many have had uh, – have had much success, even in those those losses. You know, Michigan was able. Michigan's the one that kind of stands out to me. They were they were able to kind of light up and really just grind down Wisconsin, which you don't see very often. And you kind of need to to get some early breaks and, and get a little bit of a lead to even try that. But Nebraska hasn't been running the ball with nearly as much consistency as Michigan has. So I think you got to try and and think of some ways to be quick to the edges whether that's with the option game, whether that's with, you know, some short passing out that way. Because, I mean, the big thing you've got to avoid with this Wisconsin defense is, well, one, they're just very sound, and they're there. They're holding opponents to a 30% success rate, which means their defense is, like, is winning and getting into favorable down and distance 70% of the time. So that's problem one. Problem two is they're one of the highest habit rate defenses in the country, too which means they're going to be in your backfield. They're going to be active with pass breakups and, and those sorts of things. So I think you just got to be quick and you know swallow your, your pride a little bit because it may not be fun a whole lot of the time, but get that defense moving laterally and see if you can you know just get some of your athletes uh, from Nebraska in, in a little bit of space because there's not going to be much room no matter where you turn. Uh, yeah, say that again, Brandon. You look at their last four games. Look, Wisconsin's only given up more than 100 yards on the ground to a team twice the whole year. Everybody else has been under 100. The last four games, negative 13, 24, 95, 65. Their average is off the charts better in terms of yards per carry than anybody else. That said, they haven't really gone against somebody as mobile as Adrian. And if you rewind to a couple of years ago, he got loose a few times. Is that about the only kryptonite for Wisconsin's defense is that threat of a mobile quarterback? It might be. I, I, I'd sure be willing to try it because, like you said, it's, it's you know, with the way the Big Ten has kind of shaken out and with the non-conference that, uh, Wisconsin has has seen uh, or, or non-conference teams that they played. I mean, Army and and the option pure option offense was kind of the one that could stick around and trade blows with them on on a pretty consistent basis. So having Adrian, who can you know Nebraska can literally run the option to to a degree, but also the all of the other things that he can do, um, it, it's kind of your best bet, which has been maybe Nebraska's a part of Nebraska's problem over the past four seasons is he's always been kind of their best bet and one of their, their only options. But in this one with two games left in the season, it's kind of play all your cards now and let's see what you can do. So Vogues, what's a, what's a good day look like for Nebraska running the ball. And obviously they've got option option elements 
assuming Adrian's healthy and willing to to be part of that ball carrying committee. Are we talking 125 yards is enough? Do you have a number, or is it more just about staying with it? Yeah, it might even be lower than that. Uh, you know, based like Mark was just kind of outlining, like you get to 100 on on this defense, and you can feel pretty good about it. Now that would you'd still need to find some more yards and points somewhere. Um, and whether that came with short fields via via turnover, I mean, this Wisconsin offense has still been not quite as bad as it was over those first four games, but still a little bit turnover prone. I think they're plus twelve or something close to that over these last six games, but they're still minus one on the season, which which tells you just how rough things started during that one and three start. So uh, if if you pair that one hundred or so yards rushing with you know playing even at worst or maybe even having a little advantage in turnover margin or can can Nebraska hit some big plays in the passing game? Because that's a little bit of, as you tend to see with these defenses that really have, well, keep opponents to a low success rate. They tend to give up a little bit on the big play end. So can Nebraska hit some of those? Can Nebraska give Adrian Martinez enough time uh, when he does drop back or on those more specific design passes to, to pick out some receivers. Cause I do think Nebraska has a little bit of an advantage there. When you look at their pass catchers against sort of the, the back four of this Wisconsin defense. Silver lining, Brandon defensively is the impact of the loss of Jojo Doman somewhat muted by who Nebraska's playing the next two weeks. A little bit. Like if you if you had to choose two kind of offensive styles to go against without a player as dynamic as that, um, a player who's kind of defined by not coming off the field because he can do a little bit of everything. These are these are probably those two. You're still going to miss obviously um, JoJo Doman's just ability to find the football and and make plays. But um, this is going to be the sort of game where it's kind of tighten your belt a notch because things are going to be rough and tumble. And, and that's the biggest thing with Nebraska defensively. Um, they've really done a good job of keeping, keeping the point totals low. They're excellent at right now in limiting big plays. This Wisconsin offense is, is not a big play offense. In fact, it ranks near the bottom of the country, um, depending on, on how you want to measure that. So are, are they going to be able to stand up on kind of down, a down-to-down basis? Are they going to be able to get off the field occasionally when it's third and three, third and four? Because Wisconsin's probably going to be in those situations quite a bit. Brandon Vogel's with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, just overall, do you think Nebraska has the, the capabilities to be able to slow down or stop this Wisconsin rushing attack? Yeah, I think so. I mean, their run defense has been pretty strong. Um, so the Michigan game might be kind of the closest example we have here where you'll, you'll give up some yards. And you're not going to spend a ton of time, I think, in, in Wisconsin's backfield with tackles for loss. So if Nebraska were to get those, I, that would be a very good sign that maybe maybe things are going, going the Huskers' way early on. Um, but you can't give up those those big ones. And, you know, it took three and a half, four quarters for Michigan to finally start hitting some of those. I think it could be that kind of game because Nebraska defensively has has tackled well enough for the most part, I think, to to kind of keep that, that run game hemmed in. And, 
you know, the, the interesting thing with Wisconsin, they've kind of gone on this six six game winning streak by really dialing back the passing threat. So you can't you can never just like write that off and say, well, they don't want to throw it, so we don't have to worry about it. But you can kind of, you, you have a sense that they're they're happiest if they don't have to put a ton on the quarterback right now. That is so much their blueprint where you think of the Purdue game, Vogues, where, you know, it, it's a code red situation if he throws more than eight times. <laughs> so, so he throw Mertz throws eight times. They get five turnovers. They, they win on the road against a, a hot team coming off an Iowa win in Purdue. They just destroy him. So I, I think Nebraska, if would you go a little throwback here? You and me, the uh, Crane Act in the 80s with the neck roll and the 5-2 defense. <laughs> I mean, would you just load up on the uh, with an extra defensive lineman and just say, Mertz, we're going to play zero coverage on you? I mean, you, you, might be, you might be willing to give it a shot. Like, Ferguson, the, the tight end there, is, you know, somebody you have to account for. And when, when Wisconsin does get into kind of peer-passing situations or when it knows it needs a play – that is very often where it looks. But, yeah, I, I, I think by nature, you know, we'll see. I know there's going to be a multiple guys kind of filling that Doman role, um, Isaac Gifford being one of them. He's, he's kind of the closest, you know, in terms of overall athletic ability to what Doman provided. But I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Nebraska kind of occupy that spot with a, a quote-unquote big most of the time because it's, it's that kind of game. It's that kind, kind of team. You know, it's weird. I, I keep looking at their numbers and just trying to find the holes. Be like, well, but they're susceptible to this. I can't find it. <laughs> it's just, I can't find what they're susceptible to. Right? Like, here's here's one stat that you would, you know, maybe just to give you an idea of the their level of comparative dominance. Giving up plays of 10 yards or more, right? Wisconsin's given up 66 plays of 10 yards or more this year. To put that in comparison, everybody else in the Big Ten's given up at least a hundred, right? So they're like forty plays better than they are so far out in front of everybody else that you're just like, what is that hole? Is there a hole? And I just don't think there is. And if that's the case, eesh, I, I guess my rhetorical question for you, Brandon, is. <laughs> How does Nebraska win today? <laughs> Tell the world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it, you've got to look at, at you know bigger plays than that. Um, it, it's and it's it's what they force you to do, and it, it's just you're not going to hit that many gains of twenty plus yards or thirty plus yards. But it, it's kind of the only out that this defense tends to leave you, and. When you're talking about plays that big, it gets pretty random pretty fast. It's like saying, well, if you shoot 40% from three, then hats off to you. You, you probably just beat us. But most teams aren't going to do that you know, on a nightly basis. So I, I think it's some combination of, and I, I hate to even mention this always, but it's what you need in a game like this. The turnover margin will be key. I, I think if Nebraska has more than one giveaway, it's probably in pretty big trouble. So you got to be super buttoned up with that piece of it. Um, probably need to hit a couple of those plays, most likely in the passing game, though you'll certainly take one from, from Adrian Martinez or take multiple. 
And, and it's kind of that. It's kind of stay in the game as, as long as you can because you get down to middle of the third quarter, if it's still a one-score game, things then can, can open up a little bit um, as, as teams have to react as much to kind of the state of the game as they do the opponent. I, idea here, Brandon, I'm just curious at how, how likely um, you think it is in an observation. So I think one criticism of Frost is just uh, looking at, at the entirety of a game strategically and setting up the best scenario for complementary football to win. I don't think he's been great at that, right? I think it's just sort of like every play is its own game and, and always trying to hit the big play, maximum pressure offensively. But is today a game where you just sort of take a step back and say, you know what, take the, take the play clock down all the way to two, three for every snap, limit their snaps, which limits their impact, the possible impact of their, you know, cumulative effect of, of their offense having the ball, running the ball, um, something like that. Like, could you see Frost maybe going way away from any sort of tendency today, trying something entirely new, a different approach, just knowing the caliber that you're facing and knowing how shorthanded you are, just logistically, you know, these last couple of weeks with well over half of your offensive staff gone. Did, could you expect to see something entirely different, or do you think Nebraska is going to be what it's been all year? Yeah, I think uh, it will be what it's been all year. It's a slight favorite there. There's a couple of things that make me think that maybe there's a better chance of just kind of reacting to what you need to do to win this game. And one was, you know, Frost's kind of depiction of this game on Monday where he said, you know, it's going to be a classic Big Ten November type of game. I called it ugly. He said it's going to be ugly. Yeah, I don't recall too many of those instances where that's been acknowledged. Um, The other piece of it is, well, there's two other things. We saw them sort of do it against Oklahoma. I mean, the offense, you know, didn't look that drastic, but after that game, they were talking about, yeah, we came in hoping to keep this to like nine possessions apiece. Um, so, so we saw a little bit of it earlier this year. And then you look at kind of the one game in the six game winning streak for Wisconsin that stands out and it's army. And, and what's army do like we kind of classically go on these epic drives. Um, I don't know if Nebraska is able to execute that, you know, as consistently as army does. They just haven't been built that way. But I do think you try, um, and I do think when you have the ball, if you're having a bit of success, I, I would expect Nebraska to take that play clock down to, to you know, two seconds, one second, as often as it can. Brandon, before we get you out of here, what are some warning signs early that Husker fans can watch for? Like, if this happens, it might be a long day for the Huskers. And then on the flip side of things, what are some things to watch for where if Nebraska's doing this early in the game, they're, they're giving themselves a good chance to win? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll be watching early. So when Wisconsin has the football, a couple of 10 or 12 play drives for, for the Badgers, you know, even if they end in field goals, would, would be uh, an early warning sign for me because that would tell me that, you know, Nebraska's not able to kind of come up with these key third down stops or it's not able to, you know, even kind of stuff runs or limit runs to three, four yards often enough um, because Wisconsin offensively is a a pretty high success rate team. So if they're able to just consistently gain yards, 
it's probably going to be a tough day for what is clearly, I think, Nebraska's best kind of unit at this point. Offensively, you know, the, the turnover ones, I just can't. It's it, it's hard to get away from with how Wisconsin, I think they've had three-plus takeaways in, in each of their last six games. Like, you get one of those early, and uh, my alarm bells would start going off pretty quickly. Ribs question. The smoker is functional. It's going to be mid-50s today. The smoker will be active at 1030 uh, for 230 kickoff. Foil or naked with baby backs? Um, you could probably foil them. Like, you know, it, it's a little bit of a short smoke. Like, it, which, which those, you know, we're, we're, you're not trying to win the, the Kansas City Barbecue Championship today, Schmitty. You're just preparing to do that eventually. So whatever, <laughs> whatever gets the job done, much like this Nebraska football game against Wisconsin, you got to be willing to take a couple of shortcuts and just get a win. So I say give them the foil. Okay, you say foil. I was thinking yeah, naked. The goal, the goal today is edible meat off the bone within three hours. Yes, so, it is. Right? That's the goal. So I can it's still so. probably pull that off around 225, 250, you think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, baby bags don't take, don't take long at all. That's, that's the beauty of them. Well, I may be FaceTiming you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, folks, be good. Thanks again. Thanks, I appreciate Thanks, his Brandon. confidence, thinking that someday I will be vying for the Kansas City Rib Championship. I'm I'm doing a uh, pork butt in the instant pot today. Mm, I've never... See, we have one of those, but uh, it just lives in our pantry. Oh, it's so, so perfect it's... for making pot roast. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's pretty. So I have not done it yet. I haven't done a substantial cut of meat in the instant pot yet. It's really good for like rice and stuff like that like mm-hmm. you just press a button and you have perfect rice in like five six seven minutes but so and it, supposedly it only takes like 45 minutes for this that and rocks. it's fall apart pool yeah are you going with like, some some pork that, tacos or what i mean that's the thing with pulled pork schmidt the world's your oyster at that point yeah, you, <laughs> could <do> tacos, <laughs> you could do sandwiches you could just throw it on some eggs in the morning like what do you want you can do whatever you want with it you know, nice That's work. No, but 40 minutes seems so counterintuitive, right? It's just like big chunk of really 40 minutes. Is it really going to be good? So we'll find out. No, I'm, I'm telling you, like, usually like, I, I've never done pulled pork in there, but like with the pot roast, like you expect that's going to be like a four hour, five hour thing to it's get a that crock thing. pot deal, right? Yeah, yeah, no, but you throw it in the instant pot. It's done. In, it's 45 minutes of cook time, then like 10 minutes to depressurize. And it's perfect pulled or a perfect pot. We got to dust our old instant pot off. Yeah, because it's pressure. It's a pressure cooker, right? Chris, so it's not a crock pot, right? Like, so it's just like crazy intense heat keeps all the moisture in. Yeah, it's a it's a time saver. Supposedly ribs are great in it too. I, I've there's heard of the people. Dr. I'm not Pepper kidding. There's ribs. even people that throw in like uncooked pasta and meat and like sauce all in like one thing, and it like you have spaghetti and meat sauce. It's I, magic. I haven't tried that. That sounds crazy. Let's get to the Iron Horse next. Gary Sharp will tell us about Nebraska, Wisconsin. On the weekend edition, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. We're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. There are seven bottles of whiskey at the Schmidt House. A football party to commence. And uh, we'll see if Nebraska 
runs out of whiskey with a win. We welcome in the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, the voice of the Mavs. Sharpie, how you feeling? Uh, not bad. I'm in uh, Missoula, Montana. I'm going Ooh. to. I'm going to probably next to Michigan, Ohio State, the best game in college football today. I'm going to the Brawl of the Wild. Uh, kickoff high noon here in the Mountain uh, Time Zone between Montana and Montana State. That is so cool, man. I've I've been to Montana, but it's been a hundred years, and always have kind of wanted to go back. And it's populations jumped in Missoula and and. You know, that game's always pretty legendary, Sharpie. People just chuck the ball around despite the amount of snowfall and and elements out there. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I I didn't, I I knew it was a rivalry. I didn't know until uh, we found out, you know, like every hotel room in Missoula is sold out. There's, you know, Montana, Montana State people are everywhere. Uh, It's pretty cool. It's not bad. It's uh, overcast and it's rainy, uh, but there's no snow. So it should be a, a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully uh, maybe a little bit uh, easier watch than what may happen in Madison uh, coming up at 2.30. Well, what's your what's your feel here with, uh, I was asking Vogue's this, I want your take here, you know, a, a successful plan uh, can be laid out, execution's the important part, clearly, but, you know, what's what's Scott been drawing up this week? Well, you know, that's kind of the great unknown. First of all, this will either be one of those heartbreaking games where Nebraska keeps it close, or it will be a ugly affair that we've seen in Wisconsin before because you know, Badgers have won seven. They're only two have been a one-score game. That's the wild card. First of all, let's, let's separate. Let's look on defense. I think those guys have come too far. And granted, 13 isn't playing, and that's a heart and soul over there. But they've come too far to just cash it in and have things cave in. They have some benchmarks that they can hit. Um, and they've got a good culture over there. So I don't worry as much about the defense just going south. I think the wild card is on the offense because you know, we, we're hearing a lot of the guys were close to the position group, uh, their position coach. How will they react? What's practice been like? What's the focus been like? Oh, by the way, you're going against a great defense. Uh, you know, what's, what's Scott's going to be like? Is he going to be the ultimate wild card where this might be the last two games he calls plays at Nebraska? And he just is wild and woolly and no idea what's going on. And it is all over the map. And you see some gadget plays. Remember last year using two quarterbacks to begin against Ohio State? So that's kind of the, the, the kind of ace in the hole. But I don't know. I, I, you know, it's probably easy to lean towards it's going to be an ugly game, guys. But I really don't have a read on this. I think Nebraska hangs around. I don't think Wisconsin runs away. But, gosh, this is a Wisconsin team that I think if you're Nebraska, you're jealous of. They got better as the season went along. They faced some adversity. They turned things around. They started to change some things inside of their program with their personnel. They found that emerging next star running back that Nebraska's always searching for. And they cut down on turnovers, and they said, we've got cohesion on the offensive line. Let's just load it up, and let's stick to our identity. And that's why Wisconsin, miraculously, guys, is marching towards going back to Indy. And we didn't think that after they left Soldier Field getting blown out by Notre Dame. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You know, and I mean, you said it. It's it's tough to get a read on Nebraska in this game. It's been tough to get a read on them almost every game, right? Yeah. By the way, is that maybe Nebraska's identity? Like we we all talk about, oh, Nebraska needs an established identity, so you know what you're going to get. Is maybe their intentional identity that they're just unpredictable, and that's <laughs> kind of the point. Well, that's a good point, Mark. And, and I said earlier this week on my show, they're kind of boring. 
you know, you, people are wondering, oh, boy, are they just going to crack with everything that's going on? And I'm like, I don't know, because they're kind of the same mentality day in and day out. They just kind of go about their business, and at times they're very blah, and they might exactly be the same exact team that played in Champaign that's playing in Madison today. They've gotten some guys that have gotten healthy, and they've had bouts of success, but I don't know. It's just, you know, I, I ask this question. I'll ask it to you guys. I'm looking at lists as we get towards the end of the season. You know, most disappointing teams, and especially in the Big Ten, Indiana shows up. You know, Indiana's two and what two and ten, and they haven't won a conference game. And last year they were six and two. And Tom Allen was the coach of the year. How are we going to describe the season when it's all done? Aren't we going to say this is disappointing? Regardless if Nebraska's been in their seven losses, they've beaten one Power Five team, and that's Northwestern. Shouldn't we say this is a disappointing season? Absolutely. It's absolutely because at some point you figured they'd turn the corner and and figure out a way to close close out a close game. They've been good enough to beat a lot of good teams. They've also been uh, sloppy enough to lose to some teams. And the other thing I'll say about 2021 is, I mean, on on any given Sunday, right, Sharpie? You've seen Purdue – bite people. You've seen Minnesota bite people. You've seen Illinois (laughs) bite people. So while the record is garbage, the effort has not been specifically on the defensive side of the ball, but they needed to find a way to get across the finish line. They still have two chances in 2021 to do it. That's what's been maddening uh, about this team. You can be inconsistent. You can be an elevator team, but be six and six or seven and five don't be home for the holidays again. I think that's the biggest disappointment. And, and well, the, other, the other part, and I'll shut up, is you, you, you're in just flat-out disarray on the offensive side uh, going into these final two. You just don't know. Maybe they pull it together. Maybe they don't. I, I don't know. But uh, it went from bad to worse uh, with changes. Not that it was working, but at least from a continuity standpoint, you had that. Well, I found myself last weekend watching college football and getting frustrated because there are teams that are becoming bowl eligible, teams you would not expect, teams that found a way during the course of the season to turn things around. Granted, they might end up 6-6, six and six, but they turned their season around in the middle of the year, and you could tell that they were getting better. And the Texas Tech and the Rutgers and the mm-hmm. Oregon States and Washington State with an interim coach, I mean, those teams are getting bowl eligible. It's just, I don't know, it's going to be a weird offseason when we figure out what 21 was about and then of course the uncertainty of what 22 is going to look like and i don't know you know is this the finish of 21 or is this the start of 22 it's it's a hard read on this team but you know that's why today is tough because you could see them getting blown out 35 7 but you could also see them staying in a football game and doing enough to muck it up where nebraska and wisconsin are going head to head and we go to the fourth quarter and we're like oh boy here we go again. But I do believe, though, this is a stiff challenge for Nebraska. If you look at offensively what Wisconsin has started to do, and especially defensively, Nebraska is not going to be able to run the ball at will against Wisconsin. They're going to have to find a way to win battles one-on-one with the wide receivers off the line of scrimmage. And I think Adrian's going to have to have one of his better completion days to be successful for Nebraska to be able to move the football. So I think those games against really good teams in Nebraska has played it close. I think this is the day that I do not like the matchup. Yeah, it's it's so tough to see. Like, look, Nebraska's already struggled uh, on the offensive line to protect Adrian at all against anybody. 
I mean, and they've mm-hmm. been really bad, like last in power five type bad in terms of protecting him when it's an obvious throwing situation. And then here's Wisconsin, who's got, oh, by the way, the absolute best run defense in America. <laughs> so, like, to imagine that in the face of all that, with them dropping seven, that Adrian's going to pick him apart? Like, what? No. I, that said, uh, we talked about this with Brandon last segment, Gary, where I, I don't remember Frost ever saying that, like, in the, in the uh, press conference this week, he said that this game's going to be ugly. Like, does that maybe... It, it, or do we read too much into that? Or do you think maybe the game plan today is like, nope, take that play clock all the way down to zero before you snap it, limit possessions, like do not let their run game get going and just kind of hope and pray you can scratch out like a couple big plays um, and just keep the game close that way. Well, I think, I think Mark, you're absolutely right. I think that's what Scott is alluding to is they'll just, they'll muck the game up and make it really, really slow-paced and kind of old-school Big Ten West Division, three yards in a cloud of dust, that's great to say until you get to Saturday. But when you get squeezed, are you going to be able to stick with it? But then we're going, all the, we're going back to where this whole season really centers around, and really the future of Nebraska football centers around. You need your offensive line to win the day, the offensive line to continue drives, the offensive line to do their job consistently, consistently outside of one guy of the five. And that's the place where very few of us have any faith whatsoever this offensive line will be able to do it. And that's why you, you also look at Wisconsin and you go, God, there's a lot of things to be jealous of Wisconsin. Their offensive line came together. They found the next star running back. I mean, things that Nebraska has, has tried to do, just you're reminded in the next two weeks, guys, of why Wisconsin and Iowa sit atop the West Division. They're able to do things that Nebraska can only talk about. But if Nebraska is to stay in this game, this would be the complete turnaround of the offensive line saying, you know what, either it's our tribute to Greg Austin or there's a spark going on. But I think another thing, and you guys may have talked about this, that we may find today on the offensive side of the ball because of some fresh voices and, and faces that are in deep in the position groups we may see some guys play that we haven't expected to play in a while. I think Marquis Step, and this might have to do a little bit with the running back room being banged up, I would not be surprised if Marquis Step plays a lot today and carries the football a lot. And in a game where there's going to be a lot of car collisions on that line of scrimmage, Marquis Step is the guy that carries the football the most for you. Gary, what's the, what's the point total Nebraska's offense needs to generate to give themselves a, a chance against this Wisconsin team? Uh, I think they've got to get to 24 and... Mm. That's, that could be kind of rough. Um, I don't think they can only score a couple of touchdowns. They, they might get to 24, but it would take, you know, maybe only get a couple of offensive scores, but then you get that coveted defensive score or a special teams play uh, or, you know, a, a scoop and score, something like that. But I think Nebraska, to, to win this football game, they're going to have to have at least 24 on the board. Gary Sharp's with us, the Iron Horse, Hale Varsity Radio Weekend. Sharpie is in oh, Big Sky Country. He's in Montana. So I got to ask you uh, two names that have been on the radar a little bit, or at least we've been uh, kind of throwing back and forth in reaction. Uh, John Garrison, and, and this is something Searles brought up. And I, yes, <laughs> but he's in a great spot right now. Uh, for the next O-line coach, because that's a monster hire. And then Donovan Raiola, 
uh, obviously his tie to his nephew. He's the assistant uh, with Chicago. I had a buddy reach out to me in Hawaii a couple of weeks ago that knows the Riolas. And so just interested to get your, your take on either, or is there is there a name that you know of or are hearing that that's uh, also in this mix, in this race? So this is a thing that Matt Verzal first brought up, and I'm all in on. There's an offensive line coach named Herb Ham who is at Central Florida right now. Now, he did not work under Scott Frost. He was, he's worked under Gus Malzahn. He's got a little bit of background in the Big Ten, a little bit of an older offensive line coach. Here's the thing. I think, you know, first of all, the OC will be the number one hire, and then he, they will defer kind of the OC to bring in uh, position coaches that he's familiar with. Uh, I think Nebraska needs to be a little bit older with their, with their additions. You know, Sean Beckton at 53 is the oldest guy on the staff which is amazing, and, you know, it's, it's a very young staff that I think needs some older vibe to it at certain positions and especially at offensive line. Uh, you know, the thing about this whole process is Scott's got to convince that person that this is going to be more than a one-year deal, that you're going to be here for a while, regardless of what kind of contract they give you, what kind of money, that you're not just here for one time because – they're not just coming to try and win football games. If you're going to be here for a while, you also got to come in to recruit. Because after a small class this year, 23 and 24 become huge for this program in terms of recruiting and winning stuff like that. So John Garrison would be somebody, I, I, when he was here before, I had great respect for him. But some of these guys are in really, really good positions. Are they going to uproot their families, come back to their alma mater, or come back to a place like Nebraska, not knowing that it's going to be more than one year? If that's the case, then Scott's done a good job of convincing them. But I think the offensive coordinator hire is the most important. And then you find people who are successful and are coming from winning programs. I don't want to see guys coming from staffs that have been fired. Okay, it's unfortunate you got fired. But I think it's important to find guys and convince guys that right now are in the middle of winning and convincing people to win and knowing how to win, that they come and they implement that among your team. So get ready. I think a lot of this stuff will start happening, guys. I think you'll start to hear a lot more murmurs next week Mm -hmm. before Iowa, and then shortly thereafter, I think uh, Nebraska will have their OC, and I think they will have another position coach hired before that first big recruiting weekend in December. Last thought, Sharpie. Do you go bring in a guy like Jerry Kill? And I know TCU wasn't winning, but Jerry was incredible here at, at Minnesota, knowing his health, uh, potential issues. He's been good. He he filled in at TCU. Uh, he he's a little older as well, and and he's a throwback man. He's he's a, he's a street fighter. Well, I've said this for a while, and this isn't just this year. Uh, I think Scott needed somebody with him in the quote unquote front office of Nebraska football that really doesn't have a connection, mm-hmm. but has been in the game a long time that can help be a mentor and a yeah. director and, you know, bounce things off and say, hey, we shouldn't do this, we should do this. Um, I think they lack that. Uh, and I, I think Jerry Kill would be somebody who I think would be ideal for that. But all of these names that we throw out, everybody, you gotta, the head coach has got to be comfortable with it because his butt's on the line next year. And it's basically save your ass season next year and you have the right people around you to do it because – I think Scott got a reprieve, and I think he wants to be here for a long time. 
but he's got to have the right people around him. But Jerry Kill is a name that you know is very very popular. I'd love to see him up in the front office, not on the and, and as well on the field, but not as a position coach. Sharpie, enjoy uh, Big Sky Country, brother. Thanks for the time today. Hey, thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks, Gary. Cranack, yeah. best to you, buddy. Get that pulled pork rocking. Yeah, good luck with the ribs, man. Hey, uh, I'll uh, shoot you a picture of the ribs, and you uh, send me a picture of your pork. That's sweet. Okay, that's out of context. A very never, weird never statement. say that again. <laughs> I really never want to hear that again. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. It's uh, uh, make sure you send me a picture of your meat. <laughs> <laughs> Real red reaction today, three thirty four ish. All right, be with us on ESPN. Lincoln, take care.